On today's podcast, it's murdering time, and everyone's here, as long as everyone means Remington Steel and a chick from Baywatch Nights. It's Murder 101 on that podcast stays up all night. Come on. I'm sure you're all wondering why I've gathered you all here on this dark and stormy night. It's to listen to a podcast. That podcast stays up all night, to be specific. I am Josh, the master of ceremonies and first victim. And with me, as always, are Aura, the brutish hangman, and Cody, the young knife who probably did it. Say hello and then dance for me, puppets. I have the glasses. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who figured it all out. You're that guy with the glasses, the website for the Nostalgia Critic? Oh my god, no, please. <laughs> I, have a, I have a girlfriend that lives with me. We share a bed. I can't be that guy. <laughs> Fate worse than death. <laughs> so, that podcast stays up all night is, of course, the band of groovy teens that travels around in our burrito mobile, solving crimes and making podcasts. Our dastardly subject on this show is the Films of USA Up All Night, a television anthology slash hosted film show that featured boobtacular horror, lecherous comedy, and the sleaziest thrillers known to man or animal. This week, or manimal for that matter, uh, this week we feature what I believe is the first of many TV shows, Murder 101. I'm sorry, first of many TV movies, because I can't read. 1991's Murder 101. Aura, you do that voodoo that you do so mediocre and give us the elevator pitch. Mediocre? You know you write these things, right? You're attacking your own writing and scripting me to point it out as well. Sure, continue. Ugh, get help. Murder 101 is a murder mystery about a sleazy college professor and uh, the many people around him who unexpectedly end up dead. Uh, I'd like to say something clever about the premise, uh, but that would be far more effort than this film's producers put into it. So, uh, fuck it. The story of the production of Murder 101 involves a heist, three affairs, a shady deal with the Iranian government, and none of these things actually it was probably a very boring production. Uh, there are no stories that I could find about it on the internet, and the DVD doesn't really help, being the kind of disc that lists interactive menus and scene selection as special features which I guess is a good sign that it's probably not pirated. None of the interviews I have found with director Bill Condon mention his time working in TV movies. Most of them mention his education at Columbia and his early screenplays, Strange Behavior and Strange Invaders, but gloss over his work in the early 90s. <clears throat> this is probably due to the financial failure of his directorial debut, The Southern Gothic Sister Sister. Uh, one notable thing in Condon's early work is the quality of the talent that he attracted. Uh, Strange Invaders featured Nancy Allen and Wallace Shawn, the Grand Nagus, <laughs> uh, whereas Sister Sister had Eric Stoltz and Jennifer Jason Lee. Sister Sister, and, not the television show, right? Not, not the television program, Sister Sister, unfortunately. <laughs> this is our weird, like, TV crossover episode. And and our uh, me and Aura's weird '90s nostalgia. I don't know right. if anyone remembers Sister Sister. I loved that <laughs> fucking show though. Yeah, I, no, it was I, pretty good. 
I feel like I've definitely heard multiple other TV shows reference Sister Sister. Like it's got to be oh, on T- Thirty Rocket or something. Yeah, with Tia and Tamara. Um, are that's... you more of a Tia or more of a Tamara, Josh? Uh, I can't remember. Whichever one was the studio. <laughs> no, one. I was kidding. I was kidding. I can't back that play. But, I mean, whichever but... one was the more studious one. I can't remember which was which. I feel like Tia was the studious one, and tomorrow was the wild child. But I'm not. I would not swear. There is a uh, a great rap song by the artist Rico Nasty called "My Twins Tia Tamara," and it is a song where the chorus <laughs> is a hook about how she is comparing her breasts to Tia Tamara. My twins, Tia Tamara. So that'll be a fun. That'll be a fun look up for the listeners. Why don't you give that one a listen? <laughs> Not backed by this podcast at all. No production, but uh, or we had nothing to do with it. Good to see that this this wholesome television show became something else. Uh, the impression I'm left with is that from early in his career, uh, Condon had a good eye for young talent. The film's principal performers uh, for Murder 101. Uh, or a couple of up-and-coming actors with a variety of TV and supporting roles. Uh, Dee Young, the female lead, started her career with a substantial role in the cult classic and up-all-night film, Rock and Roll High School for the Corman Combine, but she hadn't really followed it up very well. Uh, she did get a supporting role in the teen robot TV movie, Not Quite Human 2, but I was joking about this being TV deep dive. Uh as well as a walk-on as the waitress in Spaceballs and a couple of German films for some reason. Uh, The male lead was Pierce Brosnan, uh, a man who at this point in his career seemed a bit doomed. Uh, He'd missed his chance to take the role of James Bond due to a last-minute renewal of his TV show, Remington Steel, a story going that he found out by a phone call from his, uh, his agent right when he was about to walk out the door to go announce that he would be the next James Bond. Uh, Since he still needed money to afford all his big Hollywood drugs, he kept working primarily in television after Steele wrapped in 87, uh, probably kicking himself every day for picking up the fucking phone. Uh, So this is our first TV movie starring a big name from our teen and or childhood years. Uh, It also has the most direct-to-video cover art ever, at least on my DVD copy, and it looked like like, uh, Cody's was the same. Uh, What did you all expect going into this one? (laughs) oh that's funny uh so i as i said uh earlier when uh we were started this actually isn't my copy of the movie uh this is auras and uh being a person that i am i looked at the cover of the dvd before i put it into the trailer like trailer into the uh into the video playing device and uh, Aura had talked to me just a little about it, like enough that we had started already making jokes about being professors in murder classes. Uh, but <laughs> if you look at the cover at all, it features most of the key like deaths in the movie and the faces are not obscured. So as soon as I started watching the movie, it became very apparent which characters would die. <laughs> And uh, Pierce Brosnan, this also the the sepia tent and like the the running poses. I thought this was going to be a much much more high paced or even interesting movie, or a movie in which somebody would run because I don't I don't know that anyone does. 
he it's actually run he jogs very at a very medium pace in front of the police car near the end of the movie he does also jog recreationally, but that's not particularly true. I was just going to say, like, there's a whole... <laughs> there are several scenes where he's jogging recreationally, as I recall. As soon as they started Fair doing enough. that, I was like, oh, man, it's that scene from uh, Captain America. It's uh, Winter Soldier. <laughs> On your left. <laughs> Don't fuck my wife. Oh, my God. That would be awesome if just fucking Captain America suddenly was doing laps around him. While he was having the walk and talk with his rival. This this movie seems to be from an era that I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Chris Evans like in the background of it, honestly. You know, Josh, you bring up a good point, something I hadn't necessarily thought of. I bet the the jog walk and talk is probably a much more difficult shot than the regular old walk and talk. Because you also like yeah. if you involve multiple takes, all of a sudden you're tired by that third or fourth like Something yeah, tells me they. The pacing. <laughs> something tells me they didn't have to do a lot of takes for for this movie. Oh, yeah. throw it in the can after one, huh? <laughs> I mean, they were working with kind of. I mean, when I think of Pierce Brosnan, I think of like somebody who's probably pretty professional on set. Yeah, fix it in post. Probably a got it in one kind of guy. <laughs> also, I, I really wonder how much Bill Condon gave a shit about these movies. <laughs> Uh, did you Josh do you the discussion you and I had when you when we had talked about this movie the first time uh you were a, you you had sort of said that it was a TV movie did you confirm that this is in fact a TV movie or did this have any sort of theatrical No this was a TV movie as far as This was in fact I've a TV movie says. Yep IMDb lists it that way and I haven't seen anything to contradict it Oh no that's fine it's great I was TV just, Um because there are there are, there are like no special effects or anything like it's you know no behind the scenes was... no anything on the DVD yeah I don't know if this was the first one that Condon did that was he did a, a whole run of them right after and his his uh, things that I've seen have speculated that it was because Sister Sister failed and so he just he took a TV movie deal and was like I guess I'm doing this for a while. Like he, every time you say sister, sister, I can't shut it off now. I know. Um, me too. <laughs> Apparently it's some Southern Gothic with Eric Stoltz. Remember uh, Eric Stoltz? I do. <laughs> he was going to be the next Pierce Brosnan. Um, <laughs> oh, geez, Rick. That guy just looks exactly like Eric Stoltz mask, Morty. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a reference for the millennials. See? So... Uh, <laughs> Cody getting in his uh getting earning his paycheck this I week. I have fulfilled right? my contractual <laughs> obligation to the show. He's defining his brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dance for me, puppets. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, covers full of spoilers. Isn't it also just so ugly? Yes. Like it, I feel like it should have like iced tea or ice cube on it. Well, maybe okay. Christopher Lambert. So I'm looking at this cover, and uh, I had not paid attention prior to Cody mentioning it. Uh, but you know what this reminds me of is those uh, those covers of the the DVDs that they sell at truck stops. Yes, that's exactly, exactly what it is. We are talking about the same class of film, like almost always straight to video, usually with somebody who stars faded a bit, or who you know just sort of in a lull in their career, probably an action 
film. Like, honestly, looking at the cover, I would expect it to have a bit more action than it has. 100%. Yeah, that was there, my initial impression. I guess we should describe it. It's like Pierce Brosnan holding a gun and then a bunch of scenes from the movie, but it's all in a sort of sepia tone. He's not holding a gun. Look at this hilarious right. angle. <laughs> it is oh, the overlay right. of... Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan and a hand holding a gun, which <laughs> is put together in such a way as to make you initially think that he is holding it. <laughs> That's, but uh, that could be anyone. <laughs> there's another little Pierce Brosnan. There's his the wife character. He's surprised. The one, yeah, the one in the corner there. That one, he kind of looks like he's homeless. Yeah. This like one, Pierce Brosnan playing. Uh, like, is this his real? Speaking of professors and homeless, did you guys ever do that, like, uh, that uh, homeless person or professor quiz on, or it's homeless person or tenured professor? There's a little <laughs> little quiz lit online. I did not do that one. Maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> I have a new idea for the fun and games portion. I'll put it on the wheel and I'll see <laughs> if it comes up. <laughs> right, you want to? Is there anything else people wanted to talk about about expectations here? Or I'll uh, no, I'll continue to talk about the cover of this movie when I talk about my synopsis because honestly, it does a really good job of laying the groundwork for me. Cool. All right, well, uh, again, here the police closing in on us all, so time to throw on some overcoats and walk out the front door. Uh, we'll be back after the jump. After the jump. What you doing? I'm planning out my curriculum for my fancy new university job. Uh, whereas I am drinking scotch and staring into the middle distance. Nobody cares. Uh, so, new uh, fancy university, huh? Yeah, murder you. Not if I murder you first. No, murder university. I've been thinking about the title of this movie. It's not like the movie gives you much else worth thinking about. Shut up. We have Murder 101, right? An intro course. A pretty easy one if the film's any indication. Well, sometimes you need to uh, rope the students in with an easy A. But then we move on to Murder 102, Murder Theory. A theory can certainly be murder. That much is true. You could have uh, history electives like Murder 205, The Black Widows. Sexist. Maybe racist as well. All you millennials supposed to be PC? Sure, if we're all cucks. Murder 310, death and taxes, cross-listed with accounting. Uh, murder 420, saying the dog did it. And the capstone? Murder 501, independent study. Wait, you mean actually murdering someone? Well, yeah, what else is the point? Of college? Talking a lot, mostly. Fair. So, uh, what do you think? Stinks. Hey. We are back from the break, and that means it is synopsis time. Proceed, Cody, but by all means, please refrain from revealing the incredible twist at the end of Murder 101. Do you really want me to, uh, to wait until the final, the final reveal? Oh, the I final can... reveal is that it's on. Oh, oh the, the big reveal. <laughs> I just, oh, I just spoiled the incredible twist at the end of Murder 101. Which Incredible tweet! Almost throw a remote at my television. I yeah, the first time uh, I, I was also immediately angry, and then 
uh, couldn't believe the fact that they didn't use that to a more clever end. Could have definitely. Anyway, I'll, I'll get. So we'll, we'll fix. Yeah, maybe we'll one of the uh, spin the wheel games should be uh, easy ways to fix this movie. Have it give it a real ending. That's All right. A, that's a great improvement. All right. So, Murder 101 begins with a courtroom scene with somebody so blatantly framed by the blinds that they must be a bad guy. <laughs> uh, Pierce Brosnan is then on the stand. Uh, Mr. James Bond himself and your mama Mia proceeds to testify against somebody who he claims like will still be his, uh, his best bud no matter what, somebody he still considers a friend. Uh, it's presented that there is a lot of evidence that he murdered his wife. The beginning of the movie is you see... <laughs> You see these bloody hands climbing up a set of stairs and then kind of like the beginning of the TV movie, it, uh, she writes with, or somebody writes with blood on their fingers, Satan lives and they like really drag out the last S. So it's pretty, it's pretty obvious evidence to you, the viewer that, uh, that this guy has, has killed his wife. So then there and by the way like what a fucking waste if you're gonna have satan lives in your movie like have it have fucking have it be for something well later they say that the uh the police reports show that there was also supposed to be a pentagram carved in the forehead but of course we don't get to see anything cool like that yeah in this movie and, and it's it's all just a mislead but it's it's a wasted mislead yeah it's so, such a strong element to fuck up anyway yeah <laughs> so Best Bud gets hauled away to prison. Then there's a little bit of a time skip, and uh, Pierce Brosnan, uh, I keep saying that because, again, this is one of those movies where I truly don't remember anybody's name. I'm going to remember his fucking name. I watched this less than two hours ago, and I could not tell you their names. But (laughs) Pierce Brosnan has written an amazingly successful book based on the whole interaction, you know, and... uh, He is talking to some people at this party. You find out that uh, he's a professor and he's there with uh, his or his ex-wife shows up and uh, they divorced apparently because he was having an affair with one of his students that's set up very early on and she's uh, seeing somebody new and she didn't really want to tell him. And then it's revealed that it's, of course, the annoying other professor at this university. Uh, and everybody is still kind of a little bit suspicious of him and the success of his book compared to the close knowledge he had, like with this guy and the type of class that he teaches. So it's, is he a writing professor or like a creative writing, creative writing? That's, uh, but he seems to only talk about one subject, which is thriller novels. So it's kind of like if you're watching a movie of James Patterson's life, I would imagine. James Patterson was a professor as well. Uh, he, uh, he writes murder right across the chalkboard and gives his students this, uh, this introduction uh, to his teaching style, which is not Dead Poets Society. It is more like a I want you to really get in the head of your characters and your, and your killers and things like that. I want to talk really brief about the class because it's a perfect example of like a film class. 
or by which I mean like not a class about film, but a classroom in a film, in that instead of teaching you anything, all it is is like five minutes of a professor showing off and then he dismisses class. Well, okay, so there's that bit where he has the the I, I don't know if this is the first bit, but in one of the in one of his teaching bits, he does a thing with a guillot like a guillotine yep. to chop yep. off his fingers. Yep, that is like, the first one. Like, uh, there is one thousand percent all kinds of administrative people that would be on his ass about that. Like, you he know, has a gun. Of, he has a gun in that has, scene too. He has brought a gun. I assume a non-functional one, but a gun nonetheless. In right. that same scene, and like a garrote and like a fucking knife or something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, as I was watching these scenes and watching, you know, the, the overhyped professor thing, I was just like, man, like, if I could put one tenth of the performance into my job, you know, <laughs> as a professor, Josh can, you know, attest as well. Mm. Like, you have to make it boring, otherwise, like... Well, the thing is, if you put that effort into your into your classroom, you wouldn't be a good teacher, because that's all he does. Because he's yeah. all like, oh, it's very surprising, and he, oh, it looks like I cut my fingers off, but it wasn't. It was, a, it was a trick, which, in terms of screenwriting, does introduce the props from the theater department element, which comes back later. So that's, that's clearly why that bit is there. All right, but so... And I think he dismisses the class right away, and it's like, what did he fucking teach? He taught them that he's a braggy prick, and then he sets them. He's like, write a write a perfect murder uh, within a month or whatever. I haven't taught you how to do that yet, but do it. Yeah, right off That's the bat, awful. it's uh, every single one of them needs to be writing about this specific thing. Besides bringing the multiple things in, we've already established that the end of this movie is this giant twist that the movie deal that was made off of the story of the events of this movie following like the first book that Pierce Brosnan's character allegedly writes, like they're doing this whole thing. And we've established that in all of his classes, it's no real teaching, but it's all timing gimmicks because the next time that he hosts the class, it's talking about red herrings. And that's right after the jogging scene with the new boyfriend. So the whole movie, every time it cuts back to Pierce Brosnan teaching his class a little bit, it's all like a slight foible on how an actual legitimate thriller or suspense story would be. But if we have this final reveal that it's a movie, there could they could have done so many more clever things. Like you see a glove lying on the ground somewhere and like a character notices it and it looks weird, but it's like a crew or like a grips glove. Or things, things like that, like a hard hat sitting in a certain area, or like a lighting thing fall, kind of like a Truman Show sort of vibe almost, but just kind of building that tension. Uh, the, they use the same suspense build music every single time in this movie too. Very, very careless, like with uh, no variation. It always starts the same. But uh, so... The next thing is the jogging scene. The boyfriend talks to him. Then he teaches his class about uh, the red herrings. Uh, almost immediately then he gets... Oh, there's... Uh, sorry. We The other thing that we missed is there's an introduction to this one student 
who immediately after the very first class, like follows Pierce Brosnan the entire time talking about, he uses the word obsessed. He's obsessed with Pierce Brosnan because he read his book about the trial. And so right off the bat, that was my next dead giveaway of this is somebody who is probably either related to the person who got put away at the beginning or the person who was murdered. Uh, Cause right off, the gate he's got like he's one of the few characters that have glasses in the whole movie and it's a very handsome student but not pierce brosnan handsome student he's got a square jaw but uh then he delivers real smarmy to me yeah well that's like it's very tongue-in-cheek his whole performance is that character right off the bat that you know they're going to get involved in this professor's personal life, which already includes at least one murder. So uh, that'll now bring us to the second murder of the movie. Uh, They've brought up the fact that Pierce Brosnan has a history of sleeping with his students. So a new person that is in his class, or is it the previous student? The girl from the class. Yeah. She's trying to do the assignment that he's, he's given them. Yes. To create a perfect murder. Right. He, uh, he takes his shirt off to do this bit, though, with one of his students. Like, like she, she invites him under false pretenses that it's his ex wanting to make. And then comes in with the lights out, and he's all like, and she's all like, haha, I yeah, murdered she, you. She pulls a gun on him, but uh, he, he knew better, so it's a theater gun. He knew that this was what she was going to do. Yeah. There's something to that effect. He left, he left a note explaining it next to the, and he's like, what, see, I left a note, so you wouldn't have gotten away with it. To which, I, if I was her, I'd just be like, I would have found the note. Right. And also, her I have whole, an invincible field. Her whole point is that uh, he didn't tell anybody, or like she, she lured him alone, so now she could hypothetically murder him or have sex with him, but, you know, there's no alibi or whatever. And while Pierce is smugly now seeming to lecture her on the finer points of why she needs to improve her creative writing thriller prose. Uh, She is also sitting there in a negligee and somebody comes into the room and strangles her with a belt. Uh, This after, after Brosnan turns her down for sex. Yes, he does turn her down. They make out a bit and he's like, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck you. So, uh, This brings us to the first murder that is uh, on the DVD case, which as uh, obviously it's a (laughs) podcast, so you can't see, but it clearly shows this character uh, over a shirtless Pierce Brosnan with a gun. And then actually, if you look over at the other side of the DVD case, not only does it show her full dead body, but it also shows the exact same camera angle of Pierce Brosnan finding the belt that strangled her hanging from the chandelier, which of course is his own belt. (laughs) His own belt. So as soon as this scene began, I knew exactly how that was going to play out. Uh, Quality cover work. So then the next scene is some more talking back and forth, uh, expositing, we get to the point where the student finally reveals that he knows more about Pierce Brosnan's personal life and that he knows, oh, you were at the motel 
and the police have interviewed Pierce Brosnan because of course they found a dead student that's in one of his classes and he has kind of a history for that uh, sort of thing surrounding him. It is weird that the it's not shut down at this point. A character brings this up later, the fact that uh, Pierce Brosnan's class wasn't just like canceled after the first student murder. But uh, then this smarmy student reveals that, oh, you don't, like the police don't know that you were also there. Why shouldn't I tell them right now? I want you, uh, I'm trying to figure out who actually killed the first murder. He doesn't state his full intentions yet, but it's, uh, he reveals to Pierce Brosnan and that's what he's doing is he thinks that uh, the best buddy that Pierce Brosnan blamed is guilt-free. So <laughs> then it is Pierce Brosnan seems to figure out who the killer is or he has an idea. And so he wants the police, his buddy that's in the police department to meet him conveniently in the theater department or more specifically the stage of the theater department where the previous wife's new boyfriend is also meeting someone there. And at first you think it's Pierce Brosnan. He's messing with the lights and the character goes, Oh, it's you and walks off stage. Then Pierce Brosnan enters. And of course the guy has a giant knife sticking out of him, which brings us to the second very clear murder that is depicted on the front cover of this DVD. And if you can pay any attention at all or like look closely at it, it is exactly his face. So as soon as this character is introduced in like the second scene of the movie, you know exactly how he will die. So now it's clear that Pierce Brosnan isn't, uh, isn't the murderer, which was actually my first guess watching this movie was that Pierce Brosnan was the original killer framing his friend. But now the police come in and it's perfect timing. He, uh, he uses a funny gimmick where he's asks his class, like, while he's clearly sweating and there's police sirens in the background, he's like, all right, let's say, uh, let's say someone is being framed for murder. Uh, how would you escape? And they give him answers about jumping out the window and all these sorts of things. And then the guy that... Why do they help him? Because they, <laughs> they all figure it out. They can hear the police sirens. And later they participate in his escape. Like, why the... F I would go to the cops if I was in that class. I'd be like this professor who, by the way, really sucks. One of <laughs> their the class. class it's the third time I've seen him and he teaches for five minutes at a time. And, and he wants me to help him get away with murder now. So how about you arrest him? One of their fellow classmates is the person who is killed. Yeah. Probably by him as far as they know. Yeah. And he... He's clearly teaching the class and has famously written a book about this first murder experience. Like, I would definitely not want to continue attending the class at this point. But not only do they, they help him escape by disguising one of the students as him and walking plainly into his own office, which, of course, attracts all the police. They surround him. And then when it's revealed that it's one of the students, they say, I can't believe you fell for that. And then the rest of the class applauds, of course, which at that point... Uh I, th I would think the police would then detain each of the yeah. students for questioning. Exactly. I was going to say, and then off camera, they're all hauled in for accessory to murder. 
<laughs> like accessory after the fact, which is a crime that they've just all committed. I, so, you could have that scene work if you had laid laid the pipe that fucking these prof- these kids like their professor and he's doing interesting things in the class, but they haven't. They don't earn it, and it feels real lazy. He wowed them anyway. with a guillotine the first day. That's all he needed to do. <sighs> yeah. He ruined a perfectly good theater prop stage hand, and they love him for it. <laughs> yep. So he escapes in the back of his uh, ex-wife's car, where uh, she's a little bit shaken up by the death of her new boyfriend, but it's revealed that she had already told him that she still had feelings for someone else, which is clearly Pierce Brosnan, and extremely weird at this point in the movie, which is we're most of the way through by now. I think that his relationship with everybody in this movie is weird. Like, because <laughs> one of the notes that you asked me about, Cody, uh, like, what it said there was, like, his relationship with the administrator, for instance. Mm. Like, this is not a relationship that, you know, people at any level have with their bosses, you know, <laughs> like the way. That are still employed. Right. Um, and. <laughs> And, like, the the love-hate relationship between those two as well. Like, how he's like, you know, oh, you got me again, Pierce, you know, or uh, Latimer, Latta, Latta, Latta. remind me of the names. (laughs) Sorry. I don't want that in my head. That is is very, very worth noting. Uh, Everybody, nobody has any vocal stumbles or says anything that would resemble normal human to human conversation it is very very melodramatic and scripted everybody like it's just so it's too smooth everybody's too like not like joss whedon quippy but like everybody's a little too smart everybody's using like four syllable words when you know they could just say oh yeah we're gonna go get lunch yeah uh so at this point, Pierce Brosnan is with his, uh, his ex, and they're clearly going to, you know, see it through to the end. And he has... <laughs> see it through to the end, huh? He has finally put the pieces together. Uh, so he goes yeah, to a do. diner where he's clearly going to attract public attention, and some cops walk in, and they see him, and they give way to the chase. But I'd, I'd really rather call this the second jog scene of the movie. Pierce Brosnan jogs slightly ahead of a very obviously slow-moving police car towards the uh, end of the road where they see the uh, student that they've set up this uh, drop-off of information, this little box that they uh, compiled of some of the extra stuff. And they check through the rearview mirror of the ex-girlfriend's car that he gets the thing. So he leads all the police in, and he grabs the student and pulls him out with the gun and he's like, no guns, I want to talk. And so his police buddy drops the gun, and they all walk into a room that has, like, uh, not tarp, but not, like, tablecloths. It's just have stuff draped over all of the furniture, a very clean room-esque. And they do the final act of every thriller thing where you have to lay out all of the details where the student then reveals that it's his aunt, I believe, was the original woman who was killed. Yeah. Yeah, they found that out when Pierce Brosnan breaks into his room. Mm-hmm. 
and finds the cufflink. That is the actual clue. The cufflink. Oh, that's right. He goes to visit his buddy in prison. So there is mm-hmm. that was the one scene I missed. After he uh after he escapes, they uh they're like, it just doesn't make sense. We need that last piece. And they his buddy gives him the brooch and he still confirms that he's like, I didn't do it, you know, I know you know, you did this to me and I read your book and all this stuff and, you know, whatever, I guess I still respect or understand you to some degree. And Pierce Brosnan recognizes the, the brooch. So he holds on to it. Prison guy is real fucking passive aggressive. I'm going to say it. Like, I get that you're mad that your guy, that your friend turned on you and fucking gave testimony that put you away. Just don't see him. Right. You know? Yeah. We just feel like I'm mad at you, so we're just talking business. But he or, just takes like little cheap digs at him, but he's never like, I'll fucking murder you for this. He's just like, well, I thought you were, you know, the day my wife died was the worst day of my life. The second worst day was when you turned on me. <laughs> I'm like, how about suck a dick, guy? Also, congratulations for uh, keeping this small piece of evidence uh, on your possession in prison for the last at least however many years it takes to write and publish a best-selling thriller. So six it months. It was in his butt. <laughs> uh, so they, they do the back and forth and the kid reveals that uh, it's the police chief guy that's been, that killed the first person because it was an affair that they were having. So that brings us mm-hmm. to third affair. It's the police guy that kills everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like his friend, Mike, the police guy. Yep. And uh, then doing the same thing that he's done the entire movie, he shoots the kid point blank. The cop shoots the kid point blank in the chest and he throws the gun to Pierce Brosnan just as the police swarm in. But uh, of course, it's a prop gun from the theater department. The kid is fine and also recorded the the cop admitting to everything. Uh, Then they do. It was one of those movie things where he rewinds it to the exact incriminating point on the tape. Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> right <laughs> on the money. Notes on the time code, which is very diligent. Yeah. Diligent. I'm barely doing that. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, then it's another, you know, small time skip. And the student uh, has mailed a manuscript to a movie uh, deal place. <laughs> I don't know, a movie studio of his book based on the events surrounding his teacher, uh, which he clearly did better. Something really, really quick here. Yeah. Because before they do that, like when they're wrapping up the scene where they're, where it's all revealed and they're in the house with all of the fucking covered furniture, Mm. wherever that, I wasn't clear on where that was. Uh, Pierce Brosnan and the kid are talking and they're like, well, you know, this, what happens at the end of every mystery, like once the murder is revealed, the story is over. And then it cuts away for what's supposed to be clearly a commercial break. I was like, so that's the end of the film, right? Like we come back and, but it comes back for like a final sting. And I don't, you, you talked earlier about how to fix the movie. Fucking end it there. Lop mm-hmm. this last bit off. It does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> this, this last bit is them uh, discussing the fact that it's a movie deal. And then a boom mic enters the shot and one of the characters flubs a line and then it pans out to reveal all the characters that were dead are still around and on set. And the student kisses the like girl who is, I guess, his girlfriend behind the scenes. 
and it widens and then the credits roll as you see like a bunch of cast and crew so no one was ever in any real danger name on it mm-hmm. yeah that says murder you get, 101 you, you see a film slate that has bell condon's name on it so i guess you're watching them make the movie you're watching i don't know man is it that ending can suck a dick. <laughs> yeah so that's the synopsis. That's that's what happens in Murder 101. Yep. A very boring-ass movie. All right. Uh, TV movies would eventually become a staple on USA Up All Night, especially, I think, starting around season three or four, they started, it seems they started buying up a bunch of them. I'm guessing they got a good rate. Uh, probably because they were cheap and occasionally topical, like the Amy Fisher movie I've been desperately trying to get my hands on. Not the one with Drew Barrymore, the other one. Uh, what kinds of things do we think of when we think of TV movies? And I uh, think there's sort of a, several categories you can put TV movies groups? into. What? Roots? That's a good one, though. Oh. I, I feel like there's two type of TV movies. There's, there's the TV movie that's technically a miniseries. But when it's like yeah. cut together, it's just one extremely long movie. And those are the good ones yeah. like It or, you know, and when I say good ones, that's still in quotation marks because there's this kind yeah. of slight, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it when somebody talks about a TV movie. Uh, but it's like all those Disney Channel movies that people from my generation are nostalgic from. That's what they think of. Or... It's the movies that were supposed to be a theatrical release movie and then something either went wrong or there was a giant argument behind the scenes or a legal battle or something like that. And instead of getting pushed for a full theatrical release, they release it on TV to either save money or attempt to make any amount of money off of something terrible. Or like I said, the, or it's the beginning thing. They're like made for a specific channel before you had people like yeah. Netflix, you know, making their own movies. And before HBO obviously yeah. has their whole thing, you kind of had, you know, a TBS yeah. movie or a Fox or whatever, uh, TNT. There are certain uh, cable channels that specialize, like, like Lifetime. Yeah. Uh, or Hallmark in very yeah. specific kinds of TV movies, but I would, to me, I would divide the classic TV movie. Like your your division is interesting, like based on length and, and construction. Uh, I, w- I would tend to divide them into sort of three subject matter categories. Uh, one of them would be the topical issue. Like this is your like mazes and monsters story, right? Like, kids are playing D&D and now they're going to kill themselves. Brock is going to kill your daughter, whatever, you know? After school specials. Yes, your ABC after school special jumping out the window on fucking fucking (laughs) Angel Dust movies. The Day After. Yep, The Day After was a good one, though. I love that movie. Brave Little Toaster. Was that? Brave Little Toaster. Was that made for TV? I didn't even remember that. No, that's one of the ones that was supposed to get a theatrical release. And there was a massive battle because they started working at a Disney, but it was a Buena Vista movie. And so they fought them like every step of the way and eventually got to block it. And then it aired on Disney, which is an extremely dark cartoon (laughs) to air for just anybody to watch in the middle of the day. Such a good fucking movie, though. 
It got um, a theatrical release later, like after it yeah. had its cult success. But so, so yeah, you have these uh, these sort of uh, ripped from the headlines subject, and then you also have sort of the ripped from the headlines true story, like your Amy Fisher type. Mm-hmm. You know, your uh, what are I'm trying to think of other ones. The the, the one that uh, you know uh, I thought of right after you said that was um, the uh, the one about the late night shows. I yeah. know, the late night wars. I don't. I mean, yeah. it might have just been called the late, late night wars. <laughs> like the late show or the late shift. Yeah, all no, about you're like Conan about. O'Brien and because yeah. like, um, you know, obviously there was stuff going on behind the scenes, but apparently like there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than we thought. You know, in that one. Yeah. Uh, there was one about there was one about the founding of Apple. Yeah. As well. Ooh. Yeah. I remember that one. I like yeah. that one. <laughs> here is my uh, uh, millennial slash gen z gen x cr- or not gen z gen x crossover knowledge but wasn't there also an uh ilion movie i would not be surprised i don't There's... know i don't know one but that that seems like it would be <laughs> rife for it <laughs> so we have we have topical ones we have ones that are actual news items just made into shitty movies and then i think you have a sort of third category into which this film falls which is just sort of filler like usually some sort of vague drama slash thriller thing uh, that somebody picked up. It might be originally intended for a theatrical release. Though looking at this film, like I can't imagine anybody ever thought this was going to be a theatrical release. It's just, I mean, partly it's lack of remastering on the DVD, but it looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> like if you if you played these in a movie theater, you'd have a riot. It really does. It has the professional quality of like, two episodes of like a pretty decent tv channel yeah that's like exactly what i describe it it looks like exactly what it is a tv movie (laughs) it's no better no worse than that yeah um and i think that's you know that's why i really suspect that bill condon at this point in his career like you know you never know when somebody's like oh after this film flopped you couldn't find work You you never know what's actually happening but I don't know. This film feels like somebody giving up. <laughs> this, this film feels like Patton Oswalt's bit about the, like the Kentucky Fried Chicken Classic Bowl. Yeah. Like just sort of a failure pile. Of, it's just nothing. It, it's too by the numbers. It's exactly like a, a paint by the numbers thriller slash whatever. Because I was, I was thinking about the, the types of movies that this specific like decade has the good ones are things like uh the net or murder by numbers or something like that where there's certain gimmicks or things like that that like stick out the net i think is hilarious just because it's a sandra bullock movie before she was like big big famous and it's so dated with its portrayal of technology certain things like that i think stay in the zeitgeist in in fairness to it it's at least it's not hackers, but <laughs> wait, a, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, See, that's you know same I thing, love though. hackers. But yeah, the net understands how people actually used computers, which didn't involve flying through lawnmower, man. Except for uh, you know uh, Dennis Miller. <laughs> I think she <laughs> ordered that. Oh my god. I think she orders a pizza. I think that's the first thing that she does in that movie to like flex her internet yeah. knowledge is ordering a pizza online. 
like he a little. This is a computer to order pizza, guys. Can you imagine? Phones? I mean, I still can't. But you know, if you have a phone, we need to that's get this. Uh, a touch we can screen. Do this recording on the on the road, so I can order my dinner from Jason's for my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, phones. If you have a touch screen, it's just a small rock that you tickle in the right way to get anything that you want. <laughs> All right. That is well, one way to put that. It's a it's a, it's a gross way to put that. <laughs> I think that's a. Good discussion for TV movies. I feel like yeah. Certainly we'll come you're, back like, to the you're like I've had enough of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> the synopsis was a bit long, so I thought we'd do it. It was a good discussion. Maybe we did you yeah. have more you wanted to discuss? Or? No, 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 no. Yeah. I have. There's a bunch that I'll be able to trim out to to shorten that that I already planned on. We're at a uh, 58 minutes right now overall, but once that's, once that's stuff good. gets yeah, once stuff gets edited down, it'll probably be closer to like 45 altogether. So that'd be perfect. Murder 101 is not a movie that needs uh, more length than the film had in this discussion. <laughs> length. <laughs> Girth. Like I said, we'll, just, we'll have plenty more opportunities to talk about TV movies. Yeah. You can go ahead and do your, uh, your end bit. So the bodies, no, I mean with the many other TV movies that were on USA Up All Night. No, yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're coming back to this well, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I understood you, Cody. Well, the bodies of our many victims are rapidly cooling, so we need to wrap this up. Uh, Aura will be back with the games after the jump. Hey, you guys ever think about where the movie ends and reality starts again? Worried that all your fraternizing is going to catch up to you after seeing this week's movie? I got a guy. If you never want the movie to end, if you know what I mean, wink. No to both of those things, guys. Guys, 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 I'm serious here. What if, like, the actors in this movie were just disembodied voices trapped inside of people's car radios, telephones, and nightstands? And all that's left at the end is a wink and a nod to the audience. And none of it's real. It's all just scripted. What a twist. However, that can't be true. Uh, You never see people in movies do regular things like we do, like pay bills or answer the phone to a wrong number unless it incites an incident, forwards the plot, creates a complication, or has a hilarious outcome. Or is any of the scat porn I watch? Yeah, disembodied voices don't have bowel movements, so let me tell you about the one I just left. Okay, but actors are people too. They do things when the camera isn't rolling. They have, you know, a pretty good idea when the movie stops and reality exists to them, you know? Uh, there's method actors who don't know that distinction. Well, like, uh, take for instance, you know, a minute or two back, uh, who did you just wink at, Cody? The audience. What audience? Uh, the people you call pod people or viewers, you know, like all the time. What? Look, or there's all kinds of theories about diegetic music and film and what's real and authenticity. And... What about reality TV or, or video games, VR? He might have a point that there is a difficult distinction between reality and, you know, quote, the show. Not if you've done your due diligence. Oh, I've done my due diligence, sir. Just like that time a few minutes back where we walked through a fake college course catalog. Yeah, we could have recorded that out of order on another day. Yeah, but that was just a few minutes ago. Look, we can hammer this out later. Meanwhile, we have a dinner invite from our sentient robot who translates into Shakespeare. We met after our third apocalypse, but about the same time we opened that portal to hell and went to caveman times, 
whose origin we haven't explained yet because I thought I lost that episode, but then I found it and we haven't had time to put it into the production schedule. Uh, shortly after we started dressing as mascots and uh, murdered those cheerleaders. Uh, we definitely didn't murder anyone. Tut. Never mind. It was about the time we drove that burrito food truck and met the stripper judge. Uh, Cody was driving a taxi cab. Only some of this is ringing a bell. How can you not remember? We met Sony 5 shortly after we watched Tom Green molest a horse. Nope, actually, uh, that was in a different universe. Uh, I don't remember any of this going down like that. No, no, we met Sony 5 three years into the presidency of a fake television star and fake rich guy Donald Trump during the pandemic, but before the murder hornets. That sounds like it's from a shitty conspiracy theory podcast. No, uh, all of that is still very real. What? What about exactly two years ago today when we watched Bat- the Batman serials with Kyle, Josh, and it was dripping with racism and it changed our lives? Kyle who? A uh, different universe. That guy doesn't exist anymore. Wink. Who are you winking at? I guess it's time for Aura to have his segment. Hey, Aura, is murder some kind of sick fucking game to you? Just like in such, Josh, like it's absolutely, you know, fun and games. Woohoo! Jerk in the turkey. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. Keep looking. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I, no, 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 no. Oh my God. I put it in that other room's body. <laughs> oh, this Ooh, is I embarrassing. Sure Look, this one's on me, guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> bodies everywhere again here look i work at the hospital you can use my insurance card it'll be fine look i know, <laughs> I know you're mad but like come on i got like a dozen of these things going it's she gets mixed up oh uh, let's see i've got a uh, i've got a colonoscopy on thursday uh can we take this murder jigsaw game for a rain check uh next week <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's time for the fun and games portion. Uh, just like Jigsaw, right, guys? Um, so uh, we never want to see another one, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, speaking of TV movies, Josh, <laughs> why didn't that one turn into a direct-to-video franchise? I don't know. They were inexplicably successful. Because well, now but, Chris it, Rock is it... doing them. Good. Have but you doesn't seen it that? Feel like... I hope, if nothing else, I hope fucking COVID kills that movie. Oh. 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 <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how to segue back from that. Uh, how about we just take a big spin of the wheel, Cody, the big old biggest wheel we got. All right. Here is our big old murder wheel that we spin for. And uh, except this time it has a body and it's got a bunch of knives sticking out of it. And we're throwing knives at the wheel. Oh, no. Knives at the wheel. <laughs> All right. Here's knife number one. Thud. Thud. Uh, I've sounded an awful lot like my cat eating in the background. <laughs> Where'd the it knife landed land? On murder... <laughs> it landed on Murder 101. Murder 101? That's the name of the That's movie. One way uh, to get rid of your DVD, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what the, what this game is, is, uh, uh, a bunch of, uh, trivia about murderers, guys. So, uh, uh, Cody has disabled screen sharing, so I can't give you the, the, the screen oh, for this. I, I didn't know I had control of that. Let me see. What do I have to do? Uh, something in Zoom somewhere. 
Maybe if you go into share screen, there'll be an option that lets you. There's a, it's the three dots near my, on, if you hover over oh. me, it's the three dots up there and you can just say enable screen share or whatever. I don't have that. <laughs> Wait, the picture's on the top row. Do you have that? Speaker view. Like there's the one, there's the one that's down for the most of it. That's the person who's speaking. And then on the top, there's like a row with everybody. You know, it, it, the, this is, we don't need <laughs> screen share. Oh, well, we do sure. need to screen share in a minute, so. All right, here, we'll, oh, no, 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 no. All right, we'll, we'll get here. All right, did that fix it? Yes. All right. Yes, it did. All right, so famous serial killers from, Encyclopedia Britannica. Let's start the quiz. All right. All right. I'll be taking it with you guys here. Oh no, we only have thirty seconds. It is like a damn saw trap. <laughs> so, uh, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, obviously. Well, okay. Wayne which Gacy. serial killer of boys and young men performed as Pogo the Clown at charitable events? Ed, did not know uh, that he killed Ed, boys to men. Uh, Ted, uh, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Jane, John Wayne Gacy. You said John Wayne Gacy. You were right. Sorry, I had to rush I saw through some that of his because we're running out of time. Which serial killer of 11 women in uh, 1962 to 1964 was eventually identified as Albert DeSalvo? Oh. The Southside Killer, the Boston Strangler, the Monster of Milwaukee, or the Green River Killer? I think the Boston Strangler. Boston Strangler is yep. correct. Uh, which serial killer was the inspiration for the murderous character... Scorpio in the 1971 film Dirty Harry. The Happy Face Killer, the Hillside Strangler, the Zodiac Killer, or the Green River Killer? Hillside Strangler. Hillside Strangler. Oh! I think it was a Zodiac. Zodiac My Killer. Bad. I it was Scorpio. Uh, which serial killer's crimes inspired Alfred Hitchcock's 1927 film The Lodger? Ooh. Jack the Ripper? Mm. Uh, Bruno... Lutke? Uh, William Burke or Peter Curtin? Curtin. You say Curtin? No, I mean, oh, that's a. <laughs> oh, sorry. If there's an umlaut, it means you add me. Oh. Basically, if it's German anyway. Uh, which, uh, which serial killer styled, styled himself Son of Sam? David Samuel Berkowitz. Jeffries, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy, or David Berkowitz? It's David Berkowitz. <laughs> Thanks, uh, thanks for that little piece of trivia, Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> which serial killer's intelligence, charm, and good looks were emphasized in media coverage of his murder trial in Florida in 1978? Norman Bates, the happy face killer, Ted Bundy, or Charles Manson? Bundy. Yeah, Bundy. Everybody Bundy. knows this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we're doing real well, guys. Which oh, serial man. killer of... Boys and young men tried to turn his victims into zombies by drilling holes in their head while they were still alive and injecting hydrochloric acid or boiling water into their brains. Jeffrey Dahmer, William Hare, Bruno Ludke, uh, or Ted Bundy? Uh, Dahmer. It's Dahmer. It's Dahmer. Are you saying Dahmer? Yes, well, Dahmer. Josh? It's yes, Dahmer. Click it. Ah, we almost <laughs> ran out of time. <laughs> 
which which serial killer was the inspiration for the character Leatherface in 1974 film The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Louis uh, Garavito, the Rio Grande killer, Ed Gein, or H.H. H. Holmes? Gein. Yep, Ed Gein. It's not H.H. H. Holmes for sure. Yeah. Uh, which serial killer posed as a hitchhiking prostitute to kill seven male motorists in 1989 to 1990? Uh, Eileen Wernos. Yep. It's that first right. one. We'll help you with the names. That's the movie <laughs> Monster. <laughs> which, uh, which serial killer and doctor murdered at least 215 middle-aged and elderly people by injecting them with overdoses and painkillers? H.H. H. Holmes, Harold Shipman, Marcel Perret, uh, or Michael Swango? Shipman? Maybe? I think it's Shipman, yeah. It's like the Doctor of Death guy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which serial killer of 100 boys sentenced to be strangled with the same chain he used to kill his victims? His body dismembered into 100 pieces and dissolved into acid? Mohan Kumar? Uh, oh, boy. Uh, Camp Atar? Camp yeah. Uh, Ripper Jayanaran and Javed Iqbal. I do not have a fucking clue who any of these yeah. people are. Let's go with Ripper. Oh, sorry. Well, uh, it was Javed. Uh, the first uh, American serial killer, William Hare, H.H. Holmes, uh, Edward Walton, Harry Hayward. H.H. Holmes. Holmes has been given credit by some. I don't know if it's accurate, but. American, yeah. Also, Aura, you're having a hard time with some very simple last names. <laughs> Which serial killer was known as Dusseldorf Vampire because he drank the blood of at least one of his victims? This one is Peter or Curtin. Peter Curtin? Peter Curtin. 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 By which, uh, which name were the serial killers Kenneth Bianchi Angelo Bruno, known before their identities were discovered by police in 1978. The I-5 killer, the Hailside Strangler, the Happy Face killer, or the Green River killer? Green River killer, maybe? Uh, the Green River killer was just, like, figured out, wasn't it? No, 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 no you're right. It's the Green, Green River. Nope. Oh, right. Strangler. It was one of those. <laughs> I got that Which one wrong so earlier. Which Soviet serial killer murdered at least 50 children and women, often butchering them while they were still alive between 1978 and 1990? Uh, I can do Vasily, the pronunciation. What? Uh, Go ahead. No, I was going to say I could do the pronunciation for these. Vasily Kulik, Andrea Chikatilo, Sergei Golovkin, Vasily Komorov. It's uh, Chikatilo. It's the second one. How do you know that, weirdo? Last <laughs> podcast on the left. It's literally a whole podcast all about exactly this. I'm sad oh. that we only got 11 out of 15. Oh, funny. All right. Well, uh, let's take another spin of that big old wheel, Cody. <laughs> all right. Uh, throwing the knife on the big spinning wheel. And I actually can read. Looks like it's USA Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Professor Hobo Quiz. How how did you get that, Cody? I threw the knife. <laughs> you threw the knife. Uh, so this was this was a, a late a, a last minute edition here. Uh, you can play this uh, game along at home if you want. 
at uh, just pause your thing right now. Go to this site. It's uh, proforhobo.com. P-R-O-F or hobo.com, all one word. Okay, so I this think, time, Laura, you need to describe each of these men so that the I, audience can know what's going I'm, on. I'm It'll going be... to make an attempt at it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so the first guy, and I do believe these are in the order that they're always sort of given. So this top guy, this top gentleman, uh, is a beardy fella, kind of gray and balding, uh, harsh, stark lighting. Uh, what do you guys think? Professor or hobo? Hobo. Yeah, I'm going with hobo. Okay, you guys think hobo? Is a nice coat. Oh, the only thing uh, I guess you, I guess we go through and we do them all at once. Okay, so uh, yeah. this next gentleman is uh, he's got a he's got sort of a he's also a gray beardy fella, uh, close cropped mustache, uh, collared shirt. Uh, the jacket thing might be a throw-off, though. It's a professor. I think that's a professor. Yeah. You think that's a professor? That looks like that, a headshot. That smirk on his side. fucking face? That guy better be. Is it? If you're homeless and you have that kind of smirk on your face. That, <laughs> that guy like, looks better than Aura. <laughs> See, this, this that's next accurate. one's cheating. That's just Alan Moore. No, this, <laughs> this third picture. Uh, big, thick beard. Uh long long scraggly hair hobo. Uh, kind of middle distance stare black and white photo yeah, i'll go hobo there's some chance that he's a 60s professor but i'm gonna go yeah hobo. <laughs> this one this is every this one looks like every grad uh student ever right josh <laughs> uh long, this looks like every dad of people that, of our age or that's true too <laughs> Uh, so, uh, long hair guy, uh, you know, uh, cropped beard, um, glasses, glasses, uh, home in the background. I say yeah, professor. This, this is, pro this is somebody's dad. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, gentleman leaning up against a, a hand railing for stairs, uh, big bushy hmm. beard and stocking cap. Hobo. Yeah, I'll go hobo. This is me in twenty years, guys. That's... Hobo or like professor of something like, like a uh, maritime. Right, or maritime you added, professor. You added an extra zero to that number there. <laughs> That's me in two years, guys. <laughs> fuck off. Okay, so next picture. Oh man, quite uh, quite a bit of the same description hobo. as the last guy. Big bushy beard, stocking cap. Uh, oldish sort of face. The nicotine yeah, yellowing. Yeah, yeah, the he's yellowing on the, that beard. This colored patch in his mustache there, which is real scrumptious. <laughs> uh, this guy, he's got sort of some sort of flop ha floppish hat, uh, big bushy beard, jacket, uh, outdoor shot. Professor. professor of anthropology. Those mutton chops, man. Yeah. Uh, next guy down. Oh boy, <laughs> I, I, uh, this is hard. This is the big, hardest one yet. Big bushy beard. Uh, it might be looks, both. <laughs> looks to be a guy maybe at an academic conference. Yeah, that's uh, what I was gonna say. Glasses, balding, holding, holding a stuffed uh, panda. I'm going hobo. I'm gonna. Say, he looks uh, a bit crazy. I say professor on that one. So that's the first one we're we're differing. Split decision. 
Okay, so uh, I think this one's a giveaway. But, yeah, uh, a young <laughs> fella with a with a bushy bushyish beard, uh, stocking cap, and a Saint Olaf hoodie. A part of me says the Saint Olaf is designed to throw you off, but that's also like a camera strap around his neck. Yeah, that's yep. a professor. So, that's a professor. <laughs> and the final gentleman who. Uh, Big bushy beard. I, I know I'm describing this over and over again. Blonde <laughs> beard. Outdoor shot. Uh, glasses oh, and a stocking cap. That guy. He looks like if Hulk Hogan at 20 had become homeless. Yeah. And this is he what he would look like now. It looks like a like blonde ver- Santa. It's like a blonde version of what Robin Williams looked like when he had his beard like fully out. Sure. <laughs> did we did we land on a hobo for that one? Yeah. Yep. All right, so clicking for the results, let's find out how we did. Ooh, our score was 7 out of 10. Does it tell us who we're wrong at? Challenge our oh, preconceptions. We there got, we go. We got, we got Hobo on the first correct. one. Uh, we were correct uh, on the second one that that's a professor. Because they uh, could third, with that smirk. <laughs> uh, he, he's a physicist, apparently. Yeah. Uh. Do, 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 hobo, uh, we got Confu- computer yeah, science computer guy science on, the, on the one we were calling a grad. Uh, He's grad definitely, problem. he has definitely filled out a punch, like a, one of those old punch card things. Yeah. Oh, we got that guy wrong. That's I got the, that. That's, yep. See, I was, I was wondering on that guy. Like so the, the, rail- the gentleman leaning just... up against the, leaning up against the stairs was actually a professor of computer science. Uh, we got the hobo right on that guy. Oh, Whoa. we got this guy wrong. Oh, wow, I could have sworn anthropologist was a hobo. Was a hobo. All right, getting, the... Is this one wrong? I was right. Uh, nice. Yeah. Oh, right. so the third one we got wrong was the was the panda guy? Mm. He just right? looks so insane. His work eyes. for philosophy of biology. Hmm. You're totally right. That's absolutely a picture of some conference, you can tell. Yeah. I thought maybe it was just a homeless guy that broke into a mixer at a, at a Marriott <laughs> or something. And they were trying to Could trick him. Could very you. well be, you know. Uh, well, I hope that was fun. All right, one more spin of the big wheel, guys. Woo! Uh, spin. It's fun and very anti, uh, very classist as well. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, super classist. <laughs> um, but I did, I did, gl- I am glad that our preconceived notions were still challenged. Yeah. So, I think we've all learned something, which is really that that straight white men continue to learn things is really the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's another knife throw at the wheel. Cathod- Where do you suppose this one's going to land, Cody? Uh, if I had to guess, genre swap based on the knife. Genre swap, nice. Ge- look at that. It's like you had a magnet in the in the old uh, in the old uh, knife. So, uh, all right, uh, genre swap. This is the this is the game we play every show. Uh, what we do is we assign each other the same movie, but in a different genre, uh, and and we sort of round robin it as we tell uh, our version of it. Uh, did you guys want to do the modified fix the ending thing, or did you want to just do regular genre swap? Let's just do regular genre swap. Regular genre swap. This, okay, Josh. The movie's too or- boring to be redeemable. For you, I want to uh, assign you this movie as a boy band film. Boy band film. All right. 
God, I had one just a ago that I was going to assign, and now it's gone out of my head. Now it's I come do, back. I, Cody, uh, <laughs> I want you to do this film as a sci-fi creature feature. Okay. Film. Like from the from the sci-fi network, I mean. like a, mm. Oh, made-for-TV sci-fi network movie. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> this is, I, I like, got uh, an idea already. What's the that they work with? Sci-fi? All right. I don't know. Uh, and so yeah, now I need one for, for some aura. reason I'm blanking on. Yeah. Um, aura, you get this as yes. a uh, as a superhero movie. Oh, Murder 101 as a superhero movie. Yeah, but not not post Marvel boom. You're doing a sure. superhero movie before the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. Oh shit, son. <laughs> All right, I've got All I've right. got mine. If uh, if nobody else has theirs, I can definitely do one. I guess you're up, Cash Money Cody. <laughs> All right. So if it's Murder One Hundred and One, but set on a Sci-Fi Channel original movie, it's going to be the exact type of uh, familiar but distinct enough to be legally different from Star Trek or Galaxy Quest type set. <laughs> And it is literally a giant school set in space. It's like a it's like a colony, like floating off the the coast of a moon or something like that. And instead of it being a writing professor who witnessed a murder, it is a guy who is a biologist, like a biologist professor, but for the new you know, neo-century organisms that we know now. And so there's no, like, uh, like clear aliens. And in fact, they even, like, his students ask about that. And he's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. In my head, this is still Pierce Brosnan. He's like, oh, there's, there's no <laughs> such thing as bipedal organisms out in space other than humans. And uh, you, that's, it's more or less than the same movie, the same exact, like, it's a little too polished, it's a little too forgettable. You're like, wasn't that an episode of Star Trek? And someone's like, no, 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 it was an episode of Deep Space Nine. And then somebody else is like, no, it was that sci-fi TV movie. But uh, it more and more students start disappearing, and it's like claw marks on them, and they're like, no, 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 this could be, exp-. and there's a, a bunch of red herrings where it's like a rake that like fell down in the, in the gardening pod or something like that. And they're like, no, these are claw marks. And at the very end, it is a, uh, it's one of the students wearing a hilarious, like sort of uh, made up bear suit where he has like built Wolverine claws out of knives. And it's like, I'm going to become the perfect organism. <laughs> I tried doing that once. <laughs> How'd it turn out? Uh-oh. Not well. <laughs> the court order prevents any further comment. So uh, <laughs> my version's a boy band version of Murder 101. And it starts with uh, Justin Timberlake seeming to find evidence that his best friend Lance Bass killed his, uh, his wife, Christina Aguilera. <laughs> uh, so his testimony gets him put away. Uh, and then we cut forward a few years where where uh, Timberlake is is on tour and trying to make up with his estranged wife, Britney Spears, uh, who has <laughs> moved on to 
I don't know, Justin Bieber. <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, horrible new guy. Uh, and uh, Timberlake has to console himself with his best friend, Marky Mark, a.k.a. Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. Uh, only people start dying all around him and uh, eventually figures it out that it's uh, Marky Mark. He's killing them because he doesn't like Chinese people and he has a weird <laughs> thing where he thinks everybody is Chinese. Uh, but the final confrontation doesn't take place in an abandoned house. It takes place in what looks like an abandoned house, but is actually the stage for their tour. So that's how they're found out is the walls fall down and there's an audience watching. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, no. It's a twist ending. Also, the, the song Bye 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 is definitely featured. Bye Bye Bye. <laughs> so, heavily, oh, that's great. Heavily featured. Heavily, heavily. featured. So, uh, Murder 101, as told by a superhero film, uh, pre-Sam Raimi Spider-Man. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I couldn't get away from the Marvel Universe, uh, partially because DC didn't make a ton of these sorts of movies. I don't, I, I don't recall prior Batman. to that point. I mean, there's the, I guess there is the <laughs> Batman ones. But... The big one. Oh, oh, but Marvel had a bunch of these made-for-TV garbage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, schlockers. Uh, so, so uh, Dum Dum Duggan, uh, played by a younger Ed Asner, is found dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Captain America, you know, on his motorcycle with his clear uh, trash can lid, uh, is called in <laughs> by David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury, to, to investigate. Um, uh, Spider-Man, though... Uh, is is completely obsessed with with this Captain America character. He keeps you know sort of sort of chasing him around while he's doing the investigation. Could it have been Spider Man that killed Dum Dum? Well, maybe. But what about uh, you know uh, Punisher as played by uh, oh God, who was that? Who played Punisher in those old ones? In the old one. Oh, uh, Dolph James. Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Thank you. Uh, Oh man, Dolph Lundgren, who later who later becomes He Man, Ooh. <laughs> um, having nothing to do with nothing. Uh, Stan Lee uh, is J. Jonah Jameson, who keeps trying to pin it on the Spider Man. Ah, the Spider Man, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, and it turns out to be all okay. The twist ending is that Dum Dum Duggan was just a life model decoy. <laughs> It's always, whenever they need to save continuity, it's always just an LMB. It's just a life model decoy. Or a scroll. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lazy writing. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess we'll, 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 uh, we'll kick the, the more you know segment until next time. How about we move on to, uh, how about we move on to uh, some ratings, some reviews, and, uh, and whatever other uh, trivia nonsense we have, huh? Uh, are we actually kicking that segment till next time, or is this just the bit you do now? That's a bit I do now. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, where they are now, Bill Condon, uh, the director, who I've mentioned several times. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't said anything here so that it can be a surprise to those who don't know, but uh, Bill Condon continued to work in the TV movie grind for some time, working with some surprisingly good casts until he made the indie film Darling, Gods and Monsters. Uh, one of my favorite films about director James Whale and the first two Frankenstein movies and uh, the end of Whale's life. Uh, this earned him you know, some critical acclaim, but not particularly much money, I'd imagine. Uh, though it did get him a bit back into the studio system, he would go on to helm Kinsey and Dreamgirls, 
but his actual big break was probably Twilight Breaking Dawn parts one and two. Oh. Uh, followed up by the live action slash CG abomination Beauty and the Beast. Oh my god. Wow. What uh, the what? Hang on. <laughs> Hang on, Josh. Let yeah. me just let me just reiterate what you just said for the audience. The Murder 101 director yeah. is the same guy who did the Twilight movies and Beauty and the Beast like oh, the that last thing. two Twilight movies and the Beauty and the Beast live action film, yes. With Emma Watson. Oh my, that one? Wow. Yeah. I thought we were talking about like one of the older like TV movie versions of it. Mm-mm. Wow! No, the big, the big CG one that was uh, that was fucking everywhere. <laughs> that I hate. I can't watch that. Well, that movie hurts my eyes so fucking you, bad. You see some directorial sort of like <laughs> you know, trademarks and things like that. I'm having a hard time placing it now. <laughs> uh, the directorial yeah. trademark <laughs> is get it in one shot. The well, director. like like I said, I think he was really a bit low when he made this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he later turned out, I mean, everything that I've ever read as far as Twilight movie reviews are like, yeah, the first three movies suck and the last two are bad shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, apparently they're really over the top and like they feature like Robert Pattinson chewing a fucking baby out of chick and like I an elaborate fight scene that book, doesn't come though. from the book. Yeah. What? I just said the same thing you did. <laughs> yeah. In the second part, apparently there's a sequence. In the book, they like all of the different factions meet up and they have a meeting and then they they resolve it peacefully and go each other's ways. But in the film, instead they just have a giant fight where everyone dies. Then it's revealed that this was just like a prophecy. But it goes on for like fifteen or twenty minutes of fucking every character gutting each other. <laughs> So I kind of want to watch those movies. They sound, uh, <laughs> they sound real interesting. <laughs> uh, another interesting fact, though, uh, Murder 101 actually did earn uh, Condon an award, uh, along with his co-writer, whose name I can't remember and who didn't go on to do anything else. Uh, they won the 1992 Edgar Award, won by the Mystery Writers of America for Best TV Feature or Miniseries. So this this was good in its time. Mystery writers thought it was good. I mean, I don't think anybody else fucking did. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, as you probably know, eventually got a second chance at the prized Bond role. Uh, first starring as the spy and whorehopper in 1995's GoldenEye, which is named after Ian Fleming's Jamaican estate, if you didn't know that. Uh, he made four reasonably well-received movies in the franchise and continues to work wherever a charming and roguish Brit is needed. Uh, Ira, uh, you, you have a sordid history with the James Bond films, as I recall, Josh. I do. I uh, uh, TA'd for a, a class about them, but I don't particularly like them necessarily. Yeah. I did have um, to learn a lot about them, so I have a lot of knowledge about James Bond including reading some of the books. Uh, they're horrible books. <laughs> they're, they're books that are so full of like racism and sexism and horrible shit that you'll, oh, you isn't, won't fucking isn't, believe it. Isn't the early films kind of like that too? Like the first couple of them pretty... It's toned to the fuck down. Let me put it this way. You know Oddjob, the character with the hat from the movie? Yeah. In, in the book, he eats dog. Oof. Because he likes eating dog. Because Koreans like dog. 
Jeez. because they're innately brutal people, which is why the Japanese used them as that's my favorite bit. He says like that's why the Japanese used them as uh, internment camp guards is because they were so brutal. No, the Japanese used the Koreans as internment camp guards because they enslaved them after they conquered Korea. Most Koreans that were working in Japan were uh, relocated forcibly, and they weren't given citizenship status after the war and continued to live in a quasi-legal state. You fucking asshole. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus. the Brits, they have their own version of history, right? It's, it's just insane how fucking racist and crazy these books are. And I said that <laughs> out loud. I was, like, I, was like, I was like, man, the Brits have their own version of history, and then I sort of, yeah... Yeah, uh, funny me saying that as an American, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the female lead, uh, Dee Young, uh, she did not do quite as well. Uh, her filmography is mostly a list of supporting character roles in film and one or two episode runs on shows like VIP, Baywatch Night, and The Mentalist. Uh, but Aura <laughs> might get excited because she did play three entirely separate characters in one episode parts on... Uh, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, and Enterprise. Whoa. So yep. Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to remember, like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, she would have looked, look, have look she looked up, the same, but just probably in some alien makeup or something, I imagine, so... Almost definitely. I mean, that's that's the kind of career she had. You've seen a lot of people. Like, there's some people that do those, like, hopping from roles to roles that are doing it as sort of a lark, like Wallace Shawn or, like... Uh, mm. Uh, what's his name from Reanimator? That guy. He's the he's the bad guy captain on Enterprise, I think, or the Andromeda, Andorian captain. Oh, um, uh, totally uh, blanking on his name, and I feel yeah, no, um, it'll come to me. I have no uh, idea. Sorry. Sucks. <laughs> Jeffrey yeah. Combs. Jeff, yes, Jeffrey Combs. Thank you. Yeah, there's some people that do those like them that are doing it, like they're famous elsewhere and they're doing it as a lark. And then there are some people that, you know, this is just what they do. They bounce from show to show. They're, they're exactly famous enough to get a walk on with a few lines, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, uh, that was apparently, I think still continues to be D. Young's career. Boy, right, howdy. So that, all the, that is all the where are they now? Anybody have any trivia they want? Nothing. This movie uh, had nothing. The IMDb said it was shot in like 20 days. That's just that trivia. 100% makes um, sense. 30 days less than the spirit. So now we got to do ratings and we got to do a makeup rating because the next time, or the last time we did a Up All Night, we forgot to rate Eating Raul, I think. That oh. sounds right. Uh, so. So. You want to do Eating Raul first and then circle back to this one? Makes sure. sense. I will give Eating Raul uh, 4.5 bodies ground up for dog food. Uh, it's a very fun movie. It just it just doesn't ever fully resolve into something that I would be like. This is a five, mm-hmm. but it uh, but it's very fun. It's 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 a very watchable, very interesting. Yeah, I now that now that we're doing it, I want to say that we might have actually done it because I was gonna also give it uh, four out of five uh, Nazi throw pillows. For, <laughs> if we did, and I'm just misremembering it, feel free to edit this bit out. I think I think Josh is right. I think we did forget because I I recall sort of thinking about that after we hit stop. I was like, oh, we forgot ratings. 
That's all good. So, but yeah, I, I'm I'm the exact same way. Like I don't own a copy of that movie, but so far out of any of the ones, that's the only one that I could see myself actually like picking up a copy and enjoying showing it to people. It's yeah. a, it's an older movie, but it's like, dated in a charming way. Like if there was a good Criterion sale, I'd pick it up. Mm-hmm. Three uh three dominatrices uh with a heart of gold out of out of five. How about that? Uh, three point three five three five. Okay, sure. So yeah. it's uh twelve out of fifteen. Unless you wanted to talk about your rating. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Murder one hundred and one. Uh, I give this one uh a single, probably boring book by Pierce Brosnan. Uh, it's it's not that it's actually the worst thing made. It's just that this is the type of movie I fucking hate so much. It's so boring. It's just talky people mm. and no plot. Well, the See, only thing that we've watched that I things that I we've watched that I'd hate more than that would be maybe Caveman and definitely mm. Cemetery High. So uh, I'll give it two and a half guillotine snaps. I, on the other hand, don't mind a talkie movie. Um, the thing, oh, I remember one of the notes that I had on my sheet uh, was this thing uh, was trying to echo noir, like, mm. so, like especially in the early stuff with the like jazzy, you know, like thing. It was trying to, it was trying to integrate, but it didn't sort of commit to it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Or if it did commit to it, it didn't you know, it couldn't do it within the constraints of sort of 1990s film, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, compare compare Murder 101, God forbid, to something like The Spirit that we watched last week, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, you start to, like, you know, see these echoes of noir that, you know, um, that, that try to come through and just do so unsuccessfully. Um, but, but it wasn't, I mean, like I said, my tolerance for talkie movies is, is, you know, is, is, has upped quite a bit since I, since I started watching, you know, all of the noir movies that I own, you know, so (laughs) I, I don't know. It was, it was fine. I mean, I said that to Cody. Oh, there was an arm behind Cody just now. Uh, (laughs) I said it to Cody as I handed the movie off to him. I was like, it's not a great film. It's, you know, it didn't, it didn't burn up any awards or whatever, which I, apparently I was wrong about. Yeah, won a mystery <laughs> award. Won the prestigious Edgar Allan Poe award. But, uh, but to that end, like, there also wasn't anything, you know, there wasn't anything, there wasn't anything great about it, but there wasn't anything offensive about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very inobtrusive. It's the exact movie that would just be on the TV already playing in a hotel room. Yeah. That's that's Cody. my piece. Cody. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, like, one out of five. Like, it's there's nothing really wrong with it, but, you know, I, I can't remember there's a nothing single... nothing right with it? Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> a single character's name, and it doesn't... That doesn't matter. <laughs> 4.5 out of 15 so you feel like you could come into this movie halfway through though you mentioned that it would be on in a hotel room already like could you come into this one halfway through and just be like oh yeah yeah i think there's i, I could yeah there's enough that they like just 
it's not that they really repeat what's already been said, but they kind of do. I mean, they talk about his book and the fact that he was there when, you know, what all this other stuff happened type of thing. And the core story is just like this guy's being framed for murders and he has to stop them. I feel like it'd be, ah, uh, so now just one thing, which we should do quickly. <laughs> My just one thing is a uh, weird RPG that I kickstarted that just arrived uh, called Visigoths versus Malgoth. Uh, it's a weird little indie tabletop RPG uh, where people play Visigoths transported to the modern age and hanging out with, or modern-ish age, 1996, and uh, in a, a sort of Cold War with a bunch of Malgoths. Mm. It is funny and weird. <laughs> I'd fight a bunch of Malgoths. That'd be cool. <laughs> and it's more, in the game, you don't actually get physical injuries, you get hurt feelings. <laughs> That's funny. It's, a, it's designed to be cartoony and fun. <laughs> So, who's who's got another thing for the week? Uh, I uh, I've just been working my way through that Sentai series. I already told you guys I was working on, so uh, I don't have anything new that I've really imbibed in that way. But uh, I I would like to suggest uh, the Jelly Belly uh, Fizzy Waters. This is. Ooh. Yeah, uh, oh, all of the flavors uh, which me and my wife have have drank have been good. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a bummer among them. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's weird when you start getting involved in sort of uh, flavored waters because like the Walmart ones are super flavor heavy, mm-hmm. and then like you start to get back towards something like um, Lacroix, which are very flavor light. Uh, Jelly Belly hits somewhere in the middle. Hmm. Uh, the lemon and lime one I've been drinking this episode tastes exactly like a Sprite. Hmm. You know, so. Like Jelly Belly, like the, the brand Jelly Bean? It would appear to have the same logo, so I'm going to assume that it's related. Interesting. So. Oh, there is the logo. Yeah, okay, it does have the Jelly Bean logo very tiny under the nutrition fact. So it is related somehow to that company. So, yeah. The more you know. The more you know. Cody? For one thing this week, uh, I'd probably have to... uh, The... Either more Animal Crossing. I don't know. I haven't been doing anything new-ish since the last one that we (laughs) recorded. I know. We recorded the other one pretty recently, but... Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I would say something along the lines of, uh, yeah, more Animal Crossing or just more Switch games in general. Cool. All right. So time for our closer. So. Let's... Yes, I should have that up, shouldn't I? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's viewer mail too. I mean, I don't know if you wanted to um, briefly mention. I, I, I yeah, I forgot though. Uh. uh... So you I forgot last to... episode. Oh my God, you bastard. You unbelievable I bastard. I'm a bat. I, I should have looked it up. All right. Well, anyway, that podcast stays up all night. It's been a proud presentation of That Podcast Productions. You can find all our podcast blogs and assorted nonsense on thatpodcastproductions.fireside.fm. You can also find us on Facebook as 
that podcast stays up all night slumber party on Instagram at that.podcast.productions and on Twitter at that productions. If podcatchers are your thing, you can find us uh, as that uh, podcast productions on Stitcher, Spotify, Google podcasts, and iTunes, or you can just add the RSS feed from our website. What's going on with our art, Cody? Our logo was created by uh, Abby. Uh, if you want to check that out or contact her for any work, her Instagram is Rosari Art, R-O-Z-A-R-I-A-R-T, Rosari Art. That sounds great. Uh, remember to subscribe and review. You can email us your comments at that.podcast.productions at gmail.com. Our theme music is, uh, is by Ted Potter, uh, theoretically, by this episode. So uh, you can you can catch you can kind of catch him uh, through contact us through uh, our email and we can forward anything on if you have any questions about his musical ventures. Josh, uh, want to talk about our sister podcast for a moment? If you like girls and you like comic and you like underrated new wave band talk talk, then you should listen to our sister podcast. Girls Talk Comics. It's the best short comics podcast that we are affiliated with. Oh, and sadly, it has nothing to do with mixed artists. Girl Talk. Go to Girl Talk, Girls Talk Comics dot Fireside dot FM today. Today. Next time on the rack. Uh, I'm to try really weird diction this time. It's and I'm the one who does this part. Oh, nothing. It's yours. Next. Next time on the rack, we're off for a summer vacation filled with sun, surf, and sleazy scumbags. It's hard bodies on that podcast stays up all night. Well, that does it for this week. Until next time, keep your classes brief and your alibis in order. Da 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 da